0: Hey there, this is Ben Currier, self-proclaimed world's number one failure. In this podcast, we'll learn about the hardest moments my guests faced and the failures they endured on their path towards making it. I hope you enjoy. Hey, it's Ben here. And in addition to this podcast, I also teach Microsoft Excel online. Visit excelexposure.com for more information And use the coupon code FAILURE for 20% off of the lifetime access to the course. Stay tuned after the episode for a little bit more information as to why it's so important to improve your Excel skills and unlock your inner Excel ninja. Thanks. Hey there, friends of Failure. It's uh, Ben Currier here and welcome to this week's episode of the Failure Guy podcast. I am here with April Marie. April, how are you doing?
1: Hi, I'm doing great.
0: And do you want to give the listeners a little bit of background info on you? Perhaps even a, um, a shameless self-promotion, a humble brag, whatever you want to call, saying all the good things you've done so that when we get to the the failure stuff, you'll feel less bad.
1: Well, um, I would say that um, my name is April Marie and I am the author of Bird Blonde, Yinzer's Guide to Sex and Dating in Steel City. And after years and years of being Pittsburgh's token single girl, you know, never being that girl that was in a relationship, just like bouncing from one guy to one guy, party girl, girl about town. Um, after, you know, all those countless years, I finally, um, written my devious stories down, um, in a humorous format, uh, for your, you know, entertainment purposes. And, um, you know, just, but just, you know, wording days are over now, settled down a little bit, but, um, the book has just, i just gotten the copies yesterday, so they will be on sale uh, really soon. So I've been hyping that up. Um, A little bit more about me. I am a purple belt in jujitsu. I am an indie film actress. I um, work at a law firm. So, I mean, anything that can be, you know, done, I'm there.
0: Well, that sounds like quite a lot of stuff. Uh, I would imagine being an actress requires a lot of failure. Uh, auditioning for things. Did did Is that something that sought you out? Or is it something you've always wanted to do and, and kind of pursued?
1: I have always wanted to be an actress. I did all through high school and whatnot. And, um, you know, as you grow older, you kind of push those, those passions aside. And, you know, you get the big girl job. And a couple of years ago, I was, you know, just doing my regular every day, nine to five, coming home, you know, boring life. And my buddy was like, Hey, you know, do you have any interest in, you know, being an extra? And I was like, yeah, I was like, I've dabbled in some like, you know, little things downtown, you know, where they, they pay you to be a background extra. They give you a couple hundred bucks. And I was like, yeah, I was like, I'd actually, you know, love to do that. And, you know, once you get in then other people are like, Oh, why don't you act over here? Well, why, why don't you friend this person? Why do you, you know, try this out. And then it becomes, um, it's really exciting, you know. Just to not only are you passionate about these characters and how you can portray them on screen, but also you know the people that you meet and the you know relationships that you build. And it's been um, it's been very great. But you know, there's definitely ups and downs with that. You don't get every role. You get a lot of heartbreak and disappointment. But you know, you learn to get through that.
0: Is it come easy for you acting because for me it's very hard to pretend like I feel or am a way that I'm not. It it would take me quite a lot of work to like wrap my mind around becoming another person. For you is it easy or or what's that process like?
1: I mean it's I am I am a Capricorn, so I am automatically like that bitch. I'm on, you know, everything. I do my research, I study, I look into everything. So when I get a new role, I really, you know, do whatever I can and try to build a character up in my mind of who, you know, I want this to be. And we know you really have to get inside the mind of the character, and that that really helps. You know, the the director and the writer help them out with how you how you think this character is going to be. Um, it, I don't know, it comes, um, I love the challenge of it, you know, making that character yours. So I think, yeah, I mean, pretty, some, are, some are easier than others. I had a movie this summer where it was, usually I play ditzy blondes and horror films. I mean, that's easy. That's just typecasting right there. <laughs> but, um, you know, I've gotten some uh, more serious roles and that is, that can get, you know, difficult.
0: I thought I saw you said you posted something about having a, a memorable death in in the movie and that was nominated for something. Was that Did I read that correctly?
1: Yeah, um, I just, uh, my movie um, Massacre Academy, I play a queen, Debbie Levine, and I live my 80s Barbie fantasy throughout that movie. And there is a very memorable death scene. Um, I can't give it all away. It was kind of like the little highlights of the movie, I would say. And um, it required a lot of prosthetics and a lot of blood and a lot of gore. And, um, yeah, you know, you, uh, you know, won a little best death on screen. So I was, know, yeah, I was happy about that.
0: When you were uh, filming it, were you happy about your character dying? Were you happy to see them <laughs> uh, sail off into the sunset or was it kind of sad that uh, that was?
1: no. I am, I mean, I am a lover of all 80s horror. Like, I grew up on that. Like, my, my grandma had me watching that at, like, a young age. So, like, I've always been, like, a gore, like a practical effects girl. So, when um, Mark Cantu, the director, he sent me the script. And um, it was it was in the beginning of everything. He hadn't casted anyone yet. And so, I had a first look at it. And, you know, he was like, you know, what do you think? And I was like, Debbie. I was like, Debbie Levine it was like a supporting role she didn't have like that many lines or anything she was kind of like um like a side story in the movie but i was like that's that's who i want to play and it was it was because of the death scene that i was like oh yeah i was like i want i want in i want to i am fine with dying on screen because <laughs> it is the the magic of you know makeup and practical effects is so it's so exciting to me, you know, you, you, and I've done it a couple of times now, you know, where you have like these really talented uh, makeup artists, uh, people, you know, like at a school and they're perfecting their art and it's just wonderful to see what they can make you look like. It's, it's great.
0: That sounds awesome. I don't have a lot of experience with makeup, but I bet uh, horror makeup is, is fun. I'm from Salem, Massachusetts, originally. So, which is the witch city, Halloween's a big deal there. So we tend to dress up a lot. So I'm kind of immune to haunted houses and stuff like that because <laughs> growing up there. But it would be awesome being a horror movie. Uh, how many horror movies have you been in?
1: Oh, I was a bit, um a full movies and shorts, maybe like maybe like ten or so. Wow. I don't know. Yeah, a couple. I mean, there's I've done a lot of yeah, just like background work, which that's just like a dime a dozen. You just get your paycheck a downtown. But I mean, like actually having like you know like a, a character in a movie, probably around. 10 or so. And that, that includes like shorts too, like little 10 minute mm-hmm. things. And those are fun to do.
0: Have you had any specific failures in that arena? Have you uh, totally f- forgotten your lines, uh, messed up everything, got fired uh, from the job? I have no idea what it would be.
1: <laughs> uh, usually, usually like indie film, it's pretty hard to like keep anyone because most of us aren't getting paid. So, you know, if you screw up, as long as you don't burn the place down, you're pretty Okay but I know in, I, I always, you know, I really psych myself up to, you know, be the best and know my lines and like, I'm a perfectionist. So usually it's at those times where it's like, it's all on me. I'm like, Oh, I have this down perfect. And that's when I'm like, I forgot my line. We had this scene in massacre Academy where it was like our big frat scene. And he had, um, I want to say like 20 or 30 extras there. And it was a big like party scene in the house. And people have come in from out of state and like, everyone's been standing around all day, you know, getting grumpy. And it was my turn to like, kind of like run into the Sprat house because I'm getting chased by this killer. So everyone's, you know, standing around all day and I go and I, I I was like, I'm going to go outside and I'm going to run I'm going to psych myself up, you know? So it was like, I was really getting chased by a killer. And I go and like, I open, you know, swing open the door, I run inside and then I'm just like, (gasps) I forgot my line. And we're like, okay, we got to reset, April, you know, take it again. So that that stuff always happens. But as long as you're respectful to everybody and you have a good, you know, sense of humor about it, it's it's usually okay.
0: Well, that sounds awesome. I've only been an extra in a couple of things, didn't mess up any of the scenes, but it was cool to see how everything happened. And it's, it's bizarre, the amount of silence on set whenever something's happening you'd think when you watch a show and there's all sorts of people around that you know there's a lot of background noise but we're just all walking around silently (laughs) mouthing things it's it's kind of a surreal experience to uh to be around the filming of it not realizing that you know everyone just has to be so quiet especially because the actors need to be you know audible which uh you don't you don't think about that.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Quiet on set. Quiet on set. Yeah. <laughs> they got to test their mics. They got to test camera A, camera B, camera C, mic one, <laughs> two, three, four. You know, every, so, like you're always quiet on set. Yep. Okay. <laughs> you don't want to be that person that's like in the take when they're editing, like talking in the background, like, oh, we can't use that clip because April was, you know, talking, you know, about yeah this and that, you know, in the back. So you never want to be that person. Plus,
0: there's so much money and usually there's a a lot of time involved, setting up scenes and everything like that. I'm sure any delays aren't welcomed. That's for sure. So you are an actress. I imagine you still do some of that. But uh, what inspired you to write a book?
1: For, you know, for as long as I can remember, I, you know... I've always had a, a, a humor about me. You know, I'm, I'm just like that raunchy girl that, you know, your friends talk about, like, oh, you should meet April. You know, she'll have you cracking up. I've always kind of been that girl. I'll just, you know, say anything, whichever. And, um, you know, for the longest time, you know, you have Facebook or MySpace or whatever it was. And I just crack jokes or make funny uh, observations. Or I do, I do like some, like if I'm ticked off about something, I'll do like a rant video. And I'll just, you know, when you, when you spread humor and when you laugh, you know, other people laugh with you and it's contagious and it just, you know, just uplifts you, puts you in a better mood. It's so much easier to go through life when you have just a good attitude and like, you're just laughing. And so I really, you know, I'll never change the world, but if you can spread like laughter, I just think that's so wonderful. So for so many years, you know, I've done that and all my, you know, girlfriends are like, Oh my God, April, like you need to, you need to do stand up. You need to write a book, you know, because I I bring out all my dating horror stories during our girls nights. And, you know, like, oh, who are you seeing this week, April? Tell us about him. And I, you know, go into the story and I would have I mean, when you're dating in your 20s and your early 30s, things are going to happen. But, you know, you kind of have to if you don't keep a good attitude about it, you're just going to be miserable. And so I kind of you know, went you know through these guys and you know, you're not the guy for me, but like we had fun and, you know, just, you know, move on to the next to find your right guy. But, but, um, but yeah, but like, just, just from telling my stories that like girls nights, my girlfriends are like, you know, you have to do something. You have to, you know, get this out into the world, make other people laugh the way you make us laugh. And I was like, okay. I was like, well, you know, I was reading, um, a Tucker Max novel. And, um, cause I always, I always wanted to write a book, but I'm not really, I don't consider myself like that smart. I'm not college educated. I flunked English class. You know, I'm not one of those girls. So I was like, I don't know how someone like me is gonna be able to write a book. And when I read his book, and it's kind of like, you know, these short stories um, about his college days. And it was like, oh, well, if I could take my stories and do it as a short story instead of like a full novel, then it was like, it came out really easy. So I just, you know, typed it as I would be telling my girlfriends the story. And once I got that in my head, the words just came out and it was easy to write. And so, yeah, so there we are now. And it was such a uh, process. I had to go through so many editors because, you know, no one wanted to edit <laughs> my, my horrible <laughs> writing, but it's finally
0: is done. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, a previous guest, Dominic Damascus, who introduced uh, the two of us. I'm not sure how much he extracted the story out of you versus just kept you motivated to, to finish it. But how long did it take from when you decided to start till the release, which seems like it's uh, imminent?
1: I want to say like two and a half, three years. Because once I figured out I wanted to, I was, I was going to do this and I was motivated to write, um, I got it done pretty fast. I want to say that I, I started in like April of like maybe 2019 and I started writing. And by the time I was done writing the stories, I think it was like around December or so. So I was like, okay. I was like, that's timeline. I'm like, I'll get an editor. They'll edit it in no time. Boom. We'll have this in the bookshelf on the bookshelves, like within like four months. Like I had like a timeline for all this. And like the first editor I talked to was like, nah, that's, that's not how this happens. Like, I'm going to edit, I'm going to send it back to you. You're going to rewrite it. You're going to send it back. And so then, so I want to say like the editing process took like a, a good year and a half just from them editing it, sending it back to me, sending it to re-edit, like making all those changes because it's better to do it that way. Otherwise it would be half done. So I'm glad that I took the extra time to re-go over it. Um, and now I, I feel like we have a good product.
0: Was it easy or were there a lot of changes where you were like, come on, I, it's got to stay this way?
1: <laughs> there, there were some because like I am, like I said, I am a, a raunchy girl and <laughs> I have, I have a mouth on me. And so, you know, some things that I find humorous other people are not going to find humorous. So at some points in the book, my editor was like, you can't, can't use that language. You're going to get canceled in no time. You know, like <laughs> how can we write this a different way? And I was like, okay. I was like, I was like, I was like, no, I was like, that hasn't, I was like, it's funny. Like people, people will appreciate it. You know, this is, you know, this is like, you know, the girls talk and like, then I go back on it and I'm like, yeah, yeah, I guess times have changed, you know? And And I want to be respectful of everyone. I want to tell jokes, but I also want to be respectful of everyone and their beliefs and everything. And I'm like, yeah, you know, yeah, let's change that around a little bit.
0: Yeah. But it's tough too when it's a true story and you want to, you know, reveal some of the stuff you actually went through to to water down a bit can I'm sure be, you know, not as fun, but I've also recently started to become more uh, inclusive in terms of and empathetic about listeners and stuff like that. So I think I put my first trigger warning on an episode a couple ago, but just realizing that everybody's not coming at it from the same uh, headspace. And while people like you and I might love uh, whatever kind of raunchy things you were talking about <laughs> to make it more broadly appealing and maybe have a bit more of a uh, marketability, I'm sure you had to, to, to cut out some of the more difficult to discuss or or maybe just so ridiculous that it seems almost too ridiculous to be true is that
1: well don't don't get it (laughs) twisted don't get it twisted because the book the book really is i don't shy away from um the experiences it's you know the book has a lot of sex in it a lot of dick jokes a lot of you know (laughs) this and that i don't shy away from it but also you know i'm not trying to um, you know, use certain language that, you know, people wouldn't like, but no, there's, I mean, no, they're like, <laughs> there is plenty of raunch in there. <laughs> like we found, we found ways to, you know, work it in.
0: And so the book's all about dating, right? So is there a specific uh, one or two dates that stick out specifically as being like very bad as in, uh, in terms of failure, a failure of a date?
1: <laughs> so. the book is, um, it's, it's about, it's more about like the dating situations that you get yourself into as a single girl. When you're, you know, young and you're, you know, you're looking for the right one, you know, you go and find these guys and you go on dates and not all of them are winners. And here in Pittsburgh, you know, we deal with a certain class of men here that you know, we, we go by the term Yinzers. Like if you're from Pittsburgh and you bleed black and gold, and like every Sunday you're watching the Steelers game, we call those Yinzers. And so the Yinzer men that are in this town are are a whole different breed of their own. So every, every story there's, there's a failure in each story. Otherwise it would not be a funny book. The one, the one story that I how 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 gross do you want to get into here? How how conservative is your audience?
0: <laughs> I mark every episode explicit, even if nothing happens. So feel free to say whatever you want.
1: All right, all right. So I was, I I always tell um, this story because it's 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 good. So <laughs> this one guy um, from my MMA gym, I do you know boxing and jujitsu. Um, he's you know really cute guy, and um, we went. Um, he, you know, he, he called me up the one day and was like, you know, can I take you out? And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, let's go, you know, hang out or whatever. And we went and got a few beers and he took me to this place, you know, whatever. And I just felt really sorry for this guy. This guy just, you could tell that he was sad, down the dumps. He hadn't been with a woman in a while, just, you know, sad, single guy. And so he, but he was cute. So you know, we had our one date, And then I think it was like the second date. I was like, I just felt that, And I was like, you know what? I'm like, I gotta, I gotta throw this guy a bone. I gotta give him something to like look forward to. I'm like, let me, let me go and do like my womanly duty.
0: Let him throw you a bone basically.
1: What? I'm throwing him a bone. (laughs) I mean, he's
0: throwing you his bone.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Okay. It's going to be that kind of podcast. Okay. Yeah. We got it. (laughs) So (laughs) We went we were like you know watching a movie or whatever and he's you know starting to like you know hug kiss me and, and whatnot and so I you know could tell he was getting excited so I'm like all right I'm like let me go and you know show off my skills and what have you so I went and I was I was going down on him and he you know stopped me for a minute and he was like you know just so you know like it's been a while like you know I might have I might have some reserves or whatever and I'm like okay like whatever whatever the hell that means whatever dude just like you know get, just be into it So I was, you know, going at it. And I I don't claim to be the best at that job, but I'll I'll take what I can get. And so when he was starting to, you know, climax and have his moment, he went and he pushed me off of him. And this giant shot of semen ricocheted out of, you know, his, and hit the ceiling. He had like a shitty little apartment. Ceiling fan was only like, you know a little bit from the you know it wasn't a big feeling shot hit the fan and ricocheted onto the walls of the apartment it was like a semen-soaked crime scene and i you know like i could i could not believe it and like i i continued seeing him for a while on and off and every time i would come to the apartment i'm like you never cleaned your walls off <laughs> i
0: mean talk about shit hitting the fan that is Crazy, but yeah, there's no way he cleaned all that up because who even knows where it went? But it seems like he, it seemed like he pushed you away to show off the fact that he could hit that fan. It was totally accidental. You think?
1: I didn't, I didn't think of it that way. I thought that he was like maybe like saving my life because I mean, if my head was still there, he might have shot like a hole in the back of it to be honest.
0: Yeah, that's <laughs> impressive. I mean, even if it's an eight foot ceiling or whatever the hell that would be. Uh, that I, I haven't heard anything like that, but at least he's yeah, he saved you, <laughs> although you probably got some of the, uh, you know, shrapnel the run-off. whatever.
1: <laughs> I tell people that, you know, I do take artistic liberties with this book. There's like there's magical metaphors and whatnot, but they're all based off of real life experiences and that was for real like to this day i still see that guy and you know I'm like remember the time when that oh, it never hit the ceiling i'm like no i'm like that that hit the ceiling it hit the walls i'm like that happened
0: i wonder if he's always like that or if the reserve thing was really a, a warning like if he's like i've been stockpiling and you know i don't know
1: i hope he has a stable Girlfriend now, she's very lovely. So I, I hope that he, she doesn't have to deal with that every time they go at it. But I—that's not my business anymore.
0: <laughs> well, at least it seems like you. Uh, I guess it was a, a more of a pity thing for him for this specific guy. But hey, it seems like he at least has some talents. Uh, I, I imagine like if there was a extra special Olympics for those type of things uh, <laughs> or sexual Olympics. He could he could get the long distance um <laughs> you know what i'm saying <laughs> well that sounds like quite an experience are you still currently single
1: no so that's kind of um you know where we're at is um it's throughout the book it's from the single girl's perspective it's mm. telling the stories about you know these guys that i have been through and i've been through so many of them And, you know, it wasn't until I was actually getting to the end of the book. And at that point, I was like, oh, I was like, I just need some like really good stories to end this, this book with. And so I wasn't worried about finding a boyfriend anymore. I was like, I am embracing the single girl. Um, I'm going to go and I, you know, I signed up for like, you know, I went on like some kink sites, like, you know, you know, Tinder, all that good stuff. I was like, I just need to find some interesting men that I can sleep with and then totally exploit for the entertainment <laughs> of everyone and put in my book. And so it was like at that moment when I stopped thinking about like oh I need to find a boyfriend, I need to find a boyfriend that you know the man showed up like you know Mr. Wright, I hope he's Mr. Wright. I think he's Mr. Wright. But you know it's when he he finally showed up out of nowhere and you know flipped everything upside down. So you know, with the book, I feel like I had to go through these guys and I had to go through the experiences and I need to tell my stories and I need to make people laugh and appreciate it. And once I've done that, then I was able to finally find a love that loves me back and I love them. And um, he's actually the last guy in the book. So the whole book is, you know, single girl fun dating. And then the last one is like, okay, well, now what happens when you meet the right one? So that might be the second book.
0: Well, I love that. The fact that you would not have met him if you hadn't done all that other crazy stuff, because you literally were seeking him out for material for the book, I guess, or at least more experiences.
1: I saw this guy and he, he was actually a director on a film I was working on. And, um, he was, you know, he was, he was, he was the director. He was a writer. Um, he was doing casting and everything. So I knew nothing about this guy except, you know, his picture on, you know, Facebook. And I'm like, Oh, he looks so you know, dark and mysterious. And so then once I was like casted in the film, you know, I started talking to him, like, you know, like getting to know him and everything. And, you know, I discovered, I'm like, oh, I'm like, this guy is into some like Kinky shit. Like he started. Mm. He's so stupid. (laughs) Like, like one of the like the first times I talked to him, he started like quoting like the Marquis de Sade, which um I didn't I didn't particularly know who that was, but you know quick history lesson like real like you know like like kinky writer back in the day like real 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 bad stuff. So you know once I looked that up, I was like oh my god. I'm like I have to get with this guy because the sex is going to be so amazing and so unreal that it's going to be the highlight of my book. So that's mm. what I went into it thinking. So, you know, I went on my, fr- I had to work with him on the film set. And then we finally like arranged, um, a, you know, a proper date. And I'm like, okay, I'm like, I just, I just need to sleep with this guy or whatever. Didn't think anything of him. Didn't think that he was boyfriend material or anything. And then he totally flipped the script and he was like, uh, no guy I've ever met before, you know, I thought he was just like looking for sex. He wasn't, he was a real, you know, good guy, you know, you wanted a good relationship, wanted to treat a woman right. And, um, and then the good sex is just a bonus on top.
0: <laughs> well, that's, I mean, that's great. That's. I think that's why um, a lot of men are seemingly more, you um, attractive when they're in a relationship or something like that. Cause when you stop trying, which is what it sounded like you were doing, you were, you were doing it more for other reasons, not trying to pursue the love aspect. You gain a lot of self-confidence. You drop a lot of the, the worry and the anxiety that comes with dating. And then you, you let your true self kind of show, and you can you know show more of that confidence. And I think that's why, you know, when men are taken or women are taken, you know, when, it, when you don't have to worry about dating, you come across much better. <laughs>
1: When you, when that, you know, we're so like, oh my God, like, what am I going to do? I'm turning 30 or I'm turning 32. I want to have, you know, I want to be in a relationship. I, I need to get, you know, engaged by 30. I need to be married by 32. I need to have, you know, my first kid by this, you know, we put ourselves on such a timeline and it's not until you go and you throw the timeline out the window and just enjoy life and enjoy what comes to you. And that's when things just come so easily. And it, it was like, I, I, I had come to terms with thinking I'm going to be that single girl for the rest of my life. And I'm just going to sleep with every guy in Pittsburgh <laughs> and you know, everyone's going to know me. And I'm like, that's fine because I'm happy with myself and I have like a pretty good life and I make a good living. But like I was, I, I came to terms with that. And then it, it, when I came to terms with it, boom, that's, that's when I found them.
0: That's awesome. That's a really good story. That's what I'm hoping is going to happen with the failure guy thing, you know. I'm I'm owning that so that I can go past it and become become successful. But haven't quite reached it yet, but becoming successful via failure to me is is one of the funniest ways to do it. In terms of uh, usually you have to fail to succeed, but usually you don't brand yourself a failure and somehow succeed in that way. So if I could do that, That would just be funny enough for me to uh you know just to laugh myself uh into maybe writing a book i I originally started out trying to write a book but to your point didn't have uh enough material i only had certain kinds of failures so for example uh this podcast and you right now uh, might be filling up some of that material just like some of your dates uh did for you (laughs) back in the day i figured well i only know this one brand of failure Let's uh, see what everyone else is dealing with out in this world. And so we've got the book. You've got your purple belt in jujitsu. Is that right? Yeah. (laughs) That's awesome.
1: That was a big deal. (laughs) I don't know how
0: close that is to the top, but I know.
1: Halfway.
0: Okay. Awesome. It's
1: like right in the middle.
0: (laughs) And you also work at a law firm, you said. And in addition, are doing uh, acting. So is there anything else besides that, that you also get involved in. Not that that isn't enough. I'm just curious what other crazy stuff, because I get, I, I spread myself way too thin doing all sorts of stuff. I didn't know if there was a, another multi-hyphen that we could add to, to your already uh, growing list.
1: No, I would, I would say the, that cover, that covers about um, everything that I'm with. And also, like, as, as I said, my boyfriend, he's, he's a director. So mm-hmm. he constantly, and, and a photographer, and, you know, he he plays guitar, plus he does everything. So it's like, um, now that I'm with him, now I'm sharing all his little things. So every time he has like a film idea, like we're, you know, we're doing stuff for that. Anytime he has a photography idea, he's like, Oh, he's like, go dress up. We're going to take pictures in the basement. I'm like, I just wanted to have dinner tonight, you know? So between like me, me with all my stuff and then adding all his creative stuff onto it. that yeah, that definitely keeps me pretty busy.
0: Are you, I mean, so you said the book has not launched yet, right? It's about to launch
1: it. I actually got the copies yesterday. And so I talked to my editor this morning and I said that, okay, it looks good. Let's send it. So she said, she said like within a week, it should be available on Amazon and Barnes and Noble.
0: So absolutely. Before the listeners hear this, it'll be available. So right now it's available uh, because I'm not that quick.
1: Uh, (laughs) So
0: uh, yeah, absolutely. But you must be excited. What are you feeling? What are the, the the feelings leading up to that final release? I know you're gonna have to then promote it and do all sorts of stuff, which you're kind of doing now, but are do you feel like once it's in your hands or in the Amazon bookstore, uh, that you'll feel some sort of uh, relief, uh, joy, worry, what what uh, what's next? What have you been brewing around in your head in terms of the release?
1: so um you know when i when i set out to do this book i never really wanted to i was never thinking about making a profit off of it or anything and um you know i was playing around with the fact uh, you know like amazon i guess they just let anyone publish whatever they want on amazon it doesn't (laughs) really cost anyone anything so any you know idiot can go and like make a book that way and so i was playing with the fact of oh i'll just put it you know do one of those things that doesn't cost me anything and then you know but like the more you know i told people about it i'm like i'm like no i was like i don't have ass anything in my life i was like let's go through the proper things the proper editors the proper publishers and you know let's make like a really good product and you know i did i did have to invest some money but you know to have to have a beautiful you know product it's something that you've made it's it just it's so overwhelming so yesterday the the package came in with like my, you know, my books. And so I was like, I was like, I just have to do, you know, one of those silly unboxing videos because I want, you know, my friends, everyone that's been like, you know, sharing my posts and liking them and like, you know, talking me up. I was like, I want them to see how much this means to me. So yesterday I went and I did like a quick video that I'm going to post tomorrow. And I just opened the box and just like the tears, the tears that just, you know, from like finally like going and like holding, your baby in your hands that you just you've been looking at and looking at and like finally it has been realized. So it was like that was, you know, a moment that I have been imagining for so long, just like holding the book. And then the next big step is I want to see it in a bookstore. I wanna, you know, this I, I want to go past the window and I want to see it in the window. Um and I also I also want to have a book party and I just want to just have a big party with all of you know my girlfriends and my friends and whatever and you know drink wine and have charcuterie and just, just celebrate, you know, what celebrate the single girl or singles in general, you know, what you have to go through to find love. And those, those are the three things I'm like looking forward to. But like last night, that was, that was huge. I was just like crying buckets and I am not an emotional girl. Like I'm a badass, you know, Mm -hmm. like my, my knee literally popped out of place in jujitsu the other day. And I'm like, just put it back in the socket coach, put it back in the (laughs) socket. I'm like, no, I'm fine. Like walked out of there. Like I don't, I don't cry, but when you invest so much of yourself into something, it just, it's such an overwhelming feeling.
0: Well, congratulations. You're a published author. Uh, It must feel good. Right. Especially after, I mean, thinking you were done with it and then going back and forth with all the editing, I get so annoyed with, with uh, the minutia or, you know, going through the nitty gritty stuff that I'd be like, are we just done? Can we please just be done? Uh, But it's worth it, you know? to to go through all that because you do that once or twice or however many iterations, but you know, you put enough work into it. Then when you actually put that thing out into the world, there's a lot less concern about whether you did all you could, you know, because I think you'd regret it if you'd, if you'd put out the, uh, the, the unedited version or whatever you want to call it, the first uh, shitty draft that you, that you did, (laughs) because that's uh, one of the, an author that I like says to do a lot of, to write a hundred words a day and, and shitty first drafts are important. So meaning I think the reason behind it is humans are good at critiquing things, but they're not really good at creating it. So if you create anything, then you can critique it and like make it better, Yeah. but it's the actual creating of something that, that, that can be tough. So uh, I'm just impressed that you are able to, to go through the whole process to not look at your uh, dating mistakes or failures as something to be ashamed of but more of something to laugh at and to share with people because I think especially in this day and age a lot of people are showing their best sides of themselves and it's not actually who they are and so I, I applaud anyone who's out there trying to share their real stories and and you know give some insight into what it's like to not get what you want although clearly by the end of the story you you do get what you want but but love and the chase for love is always, a constant pursuit. You don't know what will ever happen in the future. I know I've been in multiple relationships that I thought would last a lot longer than they did. And so, you know, it's a constant journey, but I think a lot of people need to hear those kind of stories because, you know, if you don't realize everyone goes through that kind of stuff, then you can really beat yourself up when you have a bad date or if you're just struggling to find people. uh, it's It's I think reading a book like yours would probably give them some comfort knowing that, you know, you can you can be funny and outgoing and everything, and still have horrible dates. You know,
1: for sure. I hope that um, you know uh, I have single girlfriends. I, but I really hope that you know. And there was, I mean, there was a time where I was just very bitter. You know, just what, what you know, just having like a bad attitude about things, and um, it, it, nothing, nothing good comes becomes of that. And, um, you no, know, but like it, you know, it, when you go on so many bad dates, you start getting really bitter and you start having that, um, that mindset of like, Oh, men are horrible, you know, men are pigs. And then, and then you go into things, you know, thinking that way, like, Oh, this man's just going to be another disappointment. And if you do that, you're going to look over some like really good guys. Yeah, I mean, that's where it comes, it comes to, and, and actually that story, um, about the, uh, the fan the shit hidden the fan mm-hmm. story i was um that guy devastated me like when we when we parted ways or whatever i was like i lost my best friend i was just devastated by losing that guy and for so many years i was like you know he tried to be nice and talk to me and have some kind of friendship and i'm like no like you get away from me see me like get a, you know get mm-hmm. away from me time i hear his name i'd be like no And it even, I even continue into that story about like, I went, I like, I damaged, I went, I went psycho girl and I, I've never done something like this before, but I went and I like damaged uh, his property when I saw it, like sitting by my gym the one day. Yeah. I went completely psycho. And so I'm like, Oh, just this guy. I hate him, you know? And, but then.
0: Did you just jizz all over the place or what'd you do?
1: (laughs) (laughs) He went, so he, he went, he went to my old gym. And I'm sorry I'm putting you on on blast, buddy, but I got to do. I it. want to
0: call him Master Blaster, by the way. But, <laughs> since he, but since he does not, he's not deserving of it. I don't want to give it to him.
1: Years ago, <laughs> but he would, um, he would, he would drive his his bike everywhere. Like, and the one day I saw it at my gym, and I'm like, no, I'm like, this is my gym. He does not have custody over my gym. And so I went into the gym and I saw him for the first time in like a while and he tried being nice and talking to me. And I'm like, no, come near me. I'll punch you in the face. And so he's like, okay, okay. And he was, he was really cool. And I was just a bitch. (laughs) And so when I left my boxing class that day, I went outside the door and I looked at his bike and all those feelings just like came like bubbling to me and i was like you know what and i went and i grabbed his bike and i like threw it over the hillside and i was like you and your bike and i drove away like a mad woman like cackling all the way home and then then the next day the owner of the gym was like did you you really do that i'm like (laughs) he's like yeah you're suspended i'm like okay and
0: so I like how you called it my gym, even though it's not your gym. It's you're just a member there, you know. Clearly, the gym owner uh, <laughs> called you. I, I for a second I was like, oh, does she own a gym? No, like, no, definitely not, because that wasn't part of the list. Oh no, 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 not
1: at all.
0: <laughs> but you were like, this is where I go to the gym, not you. That
1: is, you know, you, that's why you can't date people that like you have that hobby with. You know, like you can't date people in the gym because then when you break up, like, who has custody of the gym? So I claimed custody of the gym and him being there just was not working that day. And but so, you know, after so many years, I ended up switching gyms. And um, so I was going to a new gym and he was there. So now I was on his turf. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, it's been a couple of years. I'm like, how can how can we be cool about this? And I, you know, I told him, I'm like, I'm I'm okay, you know, like whatever. And he came up to me and talked, and then we started developing like a really cool friendship, you know, where he, you know, it was okay me talking about, you know, my relationship, my things going on, him talking about like him, you know, his girlfriend, and like we have a really we have a really weird good um, friendship, especially because in jiu jitsu, you know, you have to roll together. So, you know, I just think about like, just, you know, beating him in, in jujitsu and just having like a nice match with him. And it's just, and it's just wonderful. And it's once you change your mindset of, you know, being mad at someone for years and years and years, it's not doing, it's not doing any good. It's, it's, it's hurting your heart. It's in, it's, and it's showing in different ways Mm -hmm. and just sometimes things don't work out with people and it sucks at that time. Go through your grieving process, cry. But, you know, try to have a good understanding about it. You're going to find someone else. They're going to find someone else. You know, most of the guys in the book, I'm proud to say that I'm friendly with, you know, or friends with, you know, it just it's just it's just better that way. Just be be friends with everyone, have a good attitude and, you know, take the lessons, learn from the lessons, grow and try to be better.
0: So you went to his gym. Did you give him a crack at your car? Like, no, uh, fine. the chance no. to damage, uh, do a little payback. No,
1: no, no, but he was like better at jujitsu than me. So he probably got like <laughs> a few taps out of me at that time. But now, now I'm like, I'm, you know, I'm like, I'm better than him. Now, so <laughs> we're
0: good. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. And I guess if you're going to gym for specifically jujitsu, there's a lot less options for where you could go. I'm wondering why, how you guys got into the same gym twice, but you know, if you're, if you're doing the same kind of stuff, maybe that makes sense.
1: Yeah. There's not many, um, jujitsu gyms in, um, Pittsburgh and, you know, the other ones, they have bad reputations. You don't want to go to them. So the, he said the one I go to now is a really good gym filled with, you know, really good people and, and, and ladies, because I used to go to this other gym, it was all men. And it's like, Mm -hmm. I can't, I can't deal with all men. It's so, so yeah. So I found, you know, the other gym.
0: Before we get onto the, the last couple of questions, which are more forward looking, is there anything in, in any of your history of uh, dating, writing the book, uh, acting, anything about failure that you just want to make sure you mention before we get to some of the more forward looking stuff?
1: Take, take everything as, you know, take, do like my grandpa you know, used to say, you know, take life as it comes on your face and then like, you know, wipe it away. <laughs> <laughs> it, you can't, you can't, you know, you can't dwell on the little things. You can't dwell on the mistakes. No one is perfect. Um, and just, yeah, just like I've been saying, you have to have a good outlook on life. You know, you can't, you can't go around with bitterness in your heart, you know, people that, you know, you haven't gotten along with, you know, for, you don't have to deal with them, but forgive them, forgive them just so you have a clear mind. And that, I mean, that's, that's the best thing that ever happened to me. Once I started just Forgiving people and, you know, trying to look on the bright side of things and just, and just know that the shitty things that happen in your life, it's, it's to teach you something. And once you see that, then you can, then you can grow from it. But learn from your failures.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. If you're not learning from them, then you're just experiencing them for no reason. You should uh, gain some insight, some clarity, maybe learn a lesson or two. But um, I think, they're so powerful. I mean there's there's so many times where I was told the right thing to do and I didn't do it and then when I failed I was like, "Oh, now I get it. Yep. That's why they told me not to do that." But I had <laughs> to experience it in order for it to really sink in because I was like, you know, money doesn't buy you happiness. Okay, well, I don't know. I don't know if I agree with that. So let's try to see if we can get a bunch of money. It hasn't happened yet, but maybe, maybe then I'll find out if it does bring happiness. But the point is even with this podcast, trying to go through other people's failures, I think still people really most of the time need to experience them for themselves in order to get that lesson. Because, uh, you know, when you're in those moments and you're realizing just how tough life can be sometimes, it makes you appreciate it so much more when you're out of those uh Those times. And so I always try to think of whenever I have some sort of success, like what were the failures that I had that led me to not mess it up this time? Uh, Because a lot of times you can just focus on the fact that you failed and not, you know, what you should have learned from it. So I think that's a great, great point. Um,
1: We, We as people, we always seem to look at, you know, all the bad things, but we, you know, the bad things that we do, the mistakes that we do, but we never look at the good things. What, what all, what all the good things that you've accomplished, what, what are these things, you know, like, Oh no, I'm going to focus on, you know, this didn't go right. This didn't go right. You're human. Some things aren't going to go right, but what did go right, you know, take it, take it from there.
0: Yeah. And maybe without those things going wrong, you wouldn't have got to the thing that went right. You know, I don't
1: think, yeah, I don't think you'd learn as much. You have to, you have to take those.
0: Absolutely. So being a guest on the show, you get a get out of fail free card. So I'm going to pretend to hand you, If this is a silver $100 bill. I don't know why I'm using this, but this is your get out of fail free card. It's similar to the Monopoly card, except you can use it to pursue a passion, a career, something that you wanted to do, but the abundance of failure that's going to uh, be there waiting for you or just uh, something you were scared of. I know you've, you've approached most things that a lot of people are scared of, probably without hesitation but other things that you if you had to get out of fail free card you might pursue that you haven't yet because you've been just distraught with the thought of how much uh, failure would be involved.
1: I don't know like not not many things scare me anymore. I mean I've been you know I've been killed on on you know I've been killed <laughs> once you've been like killed on screen and you've had like your boobs on screen like like there's not much and like me my, my whole you know once people read the book, my whole dating life, uh, my sexual life, like that's all going to be out there. That, that, does, that does scare me a little bit. I mean, I am I am pretty, you know, forthcoming with people, but like they're going to know really intimate parts of me, which, you know, kind of worries me. But I mean. As-
0: Strangers too. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I've already been getting like a lot of like inbox messages from, you know, asking for my bobs and the from, you know, the, what's his name <laughs> over across the world. But I, I want to say um, it, things, that, things that scare me, I, 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 I got it. It's, it's probably um, continuing my relationship with Matt and um, commitment has always scared the shit out of me. Um, marriage has always <laughs> scared the shit out of me. Moving in with someone has always scared the shit out of me. So that's going to be my next obstacle in life. Um, I've been with him for two years now and it's, it's so healthy. It's so great, but like, it's, it's been great because like I am a person that like, you know, I need my alone time and so does he. So, you know, we live separate places and he lives like an hour away. So when we do see each other, we do have to make an effort, but I'm constantly scared. Like what's going to happen when we live together. So that that is something that
0: I'm going to have to yeah use the card for. So you, card. <laughs> yeah, get out of fail free. You won't, you won't uh, fail in the relationship. And I think that's a good one considering you, the book is now in the past uh, and you can focus on making sure, uh, you know, what you've got now is either what you want or that you're doing your best self uh, as part of that. And that kind of also answers my last question, which is what are you going to fail at next? Potentially it's, <laughs> Situation of that relationship, but I don't know if there's anything else you're doing. If you're writing more books, doing more acting, is uh something that you haven't yet done that much of that you're gonna fail? Uh, I say instead of fake it till you make it, I say fail it till you nail it. So, what's the next big thing that you're gonna take on that you haven't?
1: The next, the next big thing is probably gonna be Matt's movie. He has written. Um, he's currently writing the script. Um, for a political thriller it's going to be called of ravens and um, you know he's still working on it still early stages and everything but he is making me the lead character in this movie and so there's going to be pressure on me not only to act and act well and actually act you know not as Not as like the blonde, you know, bubbly '80s girl that gets massacred by the killer. But (laughs) this is this is a real challenge as an acting role to not only be the the heroine, the the superwoman, but also to be you know dramatic enough to. I I can't let any spoilers out, but you know, there's going to be things that happen to this character that I'm going to have to react to, and I know like. You know, when you're in the film community, you look at movies as a snob and you're like, oh, they're overacting. Oh, they're underacting. Oh, look at that. The lighting's horrible. Like, we just nitpick at so many things. So I know that, you know, once he puts together this beautiful movie, people are going to be looking at my acting like, mm-hmm. ew, like, what, what is she? Why is she? Why am I watching this movie for this girl? And so that's that's going to be the next thing that I, I fail at because he, he's putting this all kind of on my shoulders. And also I, you know, I want to do well because this is, I have to help him, yeah. um, you know, with his big project. Cause he, he actually did the artwork for my book. um, And he's helped me. He made, he made the trailer for my book. So he's yeah. been by my side, totally supporting me with this book that I just talk about like, you know, men and dick jokes for the whole time. <laughs> he has just supported me 100%. So it's like, what can I do to be able to support him and make him successful now.
0: Yeah. Well, it sounds like if you have a really big emotional scene coming up, just have a box of your books that you open up and then you'll start crying. Right. I I, least, I
1: thought of that because I have, because I was watching because I took a video of me yesterday opening the books and um, I went and I rewatched the video. And, and when I rewatched the video, I cried and I watched the video again. I, I cried again because that, that, that moment
0: have that playing on a in the background on some screen uh because i i mean that'd be hard to cry on demand um or on command i don't know which one there's little
1: tricks you can use but yeah yeah, for him he wants this to be raw and real so it's gonna be it's gonna be hard
0: well that's cool that sounds like a a great opportunity and, and it'll lift both of you up i'm sure the name will change by the time it comes out because things like that tend to do that but uh of oh, Raven sounds like a good name. Uh last thing would be uh where can people find you? What's the best place to send listeners to go check out what you're working on?
1: Um, oh, I have a book page, facebook.com slash and that is B-U-R-G-H-E-L-O-N-D-E. Um, Instagram, berg underscore blonde. You can find me on Twitter, all those things. I go I go by April Marie. Um, and I even have that on the book because yeah, my last name is. Nice. No one, no
0: one needs to go through that. I was going to try to pronounce it, but I already don't have it in front of me. So I'm not even going to give it a shot. <laughs>
1: it's 20 letters. It's, you know, it's, it's German or Polish. Don't, don't even waste your time.
0: <laughs> Great. Well, uh, I appreciate you for being on the show. I hope all that stuff goes really well. I'll make sure to give you a nice shareable link to, to it when it releases, but I look forward to uh, the listeners being able to check out your book and the fact that it'll already be out by the time they listen to it. And uh, please let me know how it goes. Let me know uh, what happens once you actually do release it. Maybe we'll have a follow-up uh, that we can tag on to the end.
1: Absolutely. Thank you so much for the opportunity to to be on here.
0: Yes, I appreciate it. And thanks for being vulnerable, sharing all your stories. I'm sure the book is full of even more vulnerability, crassness. Yeah uh, all sorts of fun things.
1: All the X-rated stuff is in, is in the book. So (laughs) check it out. I like to call it like a Yinzers sex in the city. (laughs) There
0: you go. What's one last time, just a full reading of the title, just so people can
1: Berg blonde, a yinzer's guide to sex and dating in the steel city.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much, April Marie. And I wish you the best of success combined with failure in the future. Thank you, Ben. Would you like to be more efficient, productive, and confident in your work at the office? Over 750 million people worldwide use Excel, yet it's still a misunderstood and frequently misused tool. That's why I created Excel Exposure, so you can work smarter and not harder. The Excel Essentials course gives you over 5 hours of in-depth video lessons, plus it comes along with my master workbook which has every function, shortcut, and all the examples to follow along. Investopedia actually included my course in their list of six best online Excel classes of 2021, saying it's best for visual learners. As someone who's an expert in failure, I can certainly teach you and your team how to avoid spreadsheet failures and create bulletproof Excel documents. Use the coupon code FAILURE for 20% off of the lifetime access price. Visit ExcelExposure.com for more information and also my existing award-winning free training. Thanks for joining me on the Failure Guy podcast. If you enjoyed it, feel free to tell somebody. And don't forget, always try to fail it till you nail it. Till next time.